Hi, my name is Pat Blythe, and welcome to Love the Music. Today's date is Tuesday, June 29, 2021. Well, today's intro is very short and sweet. I'm barely going to get this in on June 29th. I ended up editing until 3 a.m. and at some point fell asleep doing a face plant on my keyboard. Today, we had one of the heaviest rainfalls I've seen in years. At some point during the podcast, you may hear thunder in the background, but it was sheet water. I stood out on the front porch. The cars were stopped going up Kingston Road. My front garden is now a child's delight, a big, huge mud pie just waiting for little ones, and puddles all around, perfect for jumping in. Today's conversation is with Steve York from the band Mercy Flight. Steve and I met a few years ago at the Piston when I went to see another performer, Tyler Simmons. I ended up chatting with Steve for a while and thoroughly enjoyed his band. I'm a big sucker for harmony, and these guys have harmony in spades. I decided to give Steve a call to see if he'd like to participate in this series. With no further ado, a little bio on Steve York. Singer-songwriter Steve York started singing and playing in a blues band in Toronto as a teen. He began songwriting and fronting a grunge rock band in his 20s. At the same time that Nirvana and Pearl Jam were popularizing grunge music in Seattle, Steve and his band, SST, were pioneering grunge in Toronto. He continues to write, record, and perform music in his band Mercy Flight. Founded Toronto's open mic, Free Fall Sundays. For more than a decade, they have hosted, built, and fostered a large community of musicians from all over the world, young and old, emerging artists, and seasoned professionals alike. About five years ago, Steve also founded Indie Night at the Piston, co-hosting the evening with local legend and promoter, Branco. The venture provided a great showcase for local independent artists, including Mercy Flight, up until the pandemic. Steve's band Mercy Flight is his soul child and an ongoing collaboration with fellow musicians Katie Morley, Dan Miller, Tony Rabello, and Tom McKay. You'll find Mercy Flight's most recent album, Humanizer, on Bandcamp. I'm Steve York, and my band is Mercy Flight, and I'm the singer-songwriter. Uh, Mercy Flight has been at least a decade. Wow. Um, we've been the we've been doing a regular gig. Uh, we were doing a regular uh, residency at the Piston for six years, and before that, I recorded a few records. So, I would say at least at least ten years for sure. It's yeah. at the Piston that I met you. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, with Tyler. Yeah. Where were you a year ago, and where did you expect to be now? Well, it, uh, a year ago, we were just booking our, our first tour, actually, and we went to, we did some gigs up north, and we, after, like I was saying, we did this uh, house gig at the at the Piston for so long, we thought, okay, well, now it's time to, you know, like a butterfly, kind of break out of our cocoon and get out into the world and go other places, mm-hmm. and so we booked that fall tour, it wasn't a big tour, but we went to a did a few dates up north, and then we went to Montreal, and um, I think maybe we were hoping to do a little bit more, you know, getting out and playing further, like some touring, you know, mm-hmm. um, but also to continue doing, I I also host an open mic at okay. the supermarket with my drummer, Tony, and um, so that's one of the big changes. I mean, I'm, I know I'm already digressing from the band, no, no, but... Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, probably... A year ago, I was running the weekly open mic still, and mm-hmm. we were doing regular gigs, and now neither one of those things is happening. So, so what's your current situation? Current what, are you, what are you up to now? Okay, well, I've been um, quarantining with my girlfriend, mm-hmm. who I sing with, and we've been putting out... Um, we did do one um, uh, song together with uh, Tom and Tony... And a bunch of other artists, like a, uh, um, a thank you to the healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can get that at the giveback.ca. Uh, it was a song that, that they wrote and we all sang together and put out a few months ago. And then Katie wanted to start doing some covers, like some videos online. So we, we've been doing 
I'd say maybe once a week or so we've been doing a, a cover. And these uh, are members of your band? Uh, yeah. Kate, Katie is, yeah, she's she's my backup singer and my okay. girlfriend. And um, Well, that's helpful. Yeah, it's been nice. So we've, we've, been, we've put out now, I think, at least 10 um, little video covers of, of songs that we liked. Oh, nice. And that's been nice because it also is like we're out there and we're online and people can see that we're okay and we're, we're doing the music and it feels good. So has the pandemic changed your approach in how you make yourself relevant? More um, online stuff by the sounds of it or? Well, you know, the pandemic was for me, uh, it was, it just, it just meant more time at home. Oh, I mean, like everybody is so obvious. Oh my God. <laughs> um, no, like gardening and cooking and, you know, and singing as well and writing and being with my family and stuff and, and less being out in the scene, which I, I mean, I, I love both. Um, I'm lucky I have a nice place to live and I have, and the government, um, even though I was, both Katie and I were, our, um, our jobs slowed right down. Uh, we were able to get the $2,000 mm-hmm. support from benefit from the government. And so that's helped us, took the pressure off. And uh, I, th- I think we're kind of lucky that way. So Mercy Flight, um, you know, 10 years ago, it was more of like a recording, writing recording project. Mm-hmm. And then it became alive. Like my producer, Tom, you know, he, he suggested the, the house gig at the Piston. And once we started doing that, it was like that. We just really got hooked on playing live and played more and more to the point where we just loved it. So I would mm-hmm. say, yeah, like the, a year ago, it was all about the live, even four months ago. Yeah. Like I just put a, a video up of us playing at the Dakota and it's just a riot. Like we are having so much fun playing live. Um, and that seems to be now, now it's like shifted right back to six years ago or seven years ago, where we're now it's back to writing and recording and maybe a little bit of online stuff, but yeah, it's definitely changed. So has, has the whole isolation thing affected your writing? Is it um, anything, is it, you know, or how you approach your writing? Not really. Like the way I approach writing is just, I, I just brain, like when I come up with an idea, I usually sing it into my phone or I start playing with it. Right. I, I think that the covers, something that the pandemic did is because Katie wanted to, she was building up towards a release of her own and somebody recommended that she start putting out this content online. Okay. And so that was fun for us, but it's just like a side thing. And it's, if anything, Mercy Flight's just sort of been on hold really for this time. Yeah. Yeah. How are you coping personally? Fine, really. Like I said, I'm lucky. I think I'm, I have a nice place to live. I have a, be- a, a family, like I, I'm, I'm not alone. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I hear like psychologically it's there's it's there's a lot of like weight there and I I I feel it like everybody like it's like a a powerful for like you're you're wondering what's going to happen and things have changed and all that and it's heavy but I think I've been lucky in the sense that I've been doing some like I'm gardening more I'm cooking more I'm spending more time with my son and my girlfriend and even though I miss the the live music scene, I I also enjoy being at home and and living my you know a, a peaceful life at home. So. Right. So you mentioned that you were writing. Do you think what's going on now might be reflected in writing or future pieces? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think it I, it's affected everybody, mm-hmm. and I think that that's going to come through in all kinds of ways, especially in the music. Yeah. Live performance. And you've mentioned that a few times. You really like performing live, and that's typically a pretty key development. And it's very key to the development of so many artists is live performance. And you said the piston, and then you were going to start out touring. What do you think the live music scene is going to look like in the future? That's a good question. Mm. It could be a little while before it comes back. Right? It seems to be everything is so now. We're all quarantined and we're not we're not it's like i i read today that great white did a gig and they they didn't use masks they didn't they didn't uh, um no distancing whatever but that i think that's irresponsible i think that like 
I think bands need to recognize that there's more important, like saving lives is more important than being, you know, right out in the, in the clubs right now. That's, I mean, maybe if we can play outdoors with a little bit more space. In parkas. You know what I mean? In where? <laughs> in parkas. Yeah. In the winter. You know, well, you know, I mean, like, why not? Like, they do it I, New Year's Eve at Niagara Falls. Yeah. Maybe it's going to be an outdoor experience. Maybe there'll be, I mean, I've heard about the drive, drive-ins. Drive-ins, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say. Like, What about social media? Do you think there'll be more focus on social media? Or do you think people might get a little tired of it? Well, that's, it's funny you say that because, like, it's definitely, like, the, 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 the remember the, the psychological heaviness I was talking about, mm-hmm. you can see it reflected on the, so in the social media too. And you go through and you see there's a division between some people think that, um, there's a few people on my, uh, that I know that are, that there, I wouldn't say that they think that the, the virus is a hoax, but they're treating it differently than other people. There's a division between how people, so there's that, and then there's the whole Black Lives Matter movement, which is pretty heavy, and then the whole political uh, move in the states with Trump and all that. It's like so much going on. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think that because of that, I think some people have opted out. Some like some people that I saw used to see on my newsfeed on my newsfeed on Facebook. I don't see them. They're out. They're like in the cot. They're up north or whatever. They're not even on. So we'll see where it goes. Um, I still like to go there, though, because I, I think that overall, most of my friends are pretty positive thinking. What do you think about all the streaming that's happening on, on social media? I think it's great. Um, like, yeah. we, had, I remember my, um, my friend Branko was saying, oh, you should do an open mic um, on, you know, an online open mic. Mm-hmm. And I asked Tony, and we, he, he, he and I both were just a little hesitate, hesitated because we feel like the open mic was being in the room together was a big part of it and the vibe. And so we, we didn't do it. And it's funny, I know, I know of a couple others and I haven't jumped on board with them either. So it's, it's a tricky thing. It's like, it's a different, it's a different thing. I'll click on some things, but you're, you know, it's, um, there's a lot happening on social media. So I'm wondering if people are, getting a little tired of all the streaming and and there's so many shows happening at the same time it's, it's not as engaging like a, it's, there's a, something about live music that when you're there and you're you feel the energy like it's 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 a different experience it's not like just clicking on you know and watching it on your little screen you don't it's not the same so hopefully not the wave of the future that's not my own personal opinion. No, I think, it'll, now, I think it'll come back. I think that, I mean, it's just a matter of time. I think that uh, it's, it's, it's strange how things have changed, though. I was thinking about that on the way over because I knew that we were going to be talking about, you said you talked about before the pandemic and then afterwards. Yeah, yeah. so, the, yeah, there's been a world of difference. 2020, do you think it's been a career killer for a lot of musicians? It's uh, uh, especially for those that aren't very well established. Well, it's it's more of a parenthesis, I think. Like, it's That's a good way to put it. Yeah, like I wouldn't say that. I mean, for example, I think that the musicians that I know are still out practicing and and still working hard at their craft. I think that this is not going to stop the traje- trajectory of like the most serious musicians, right? They're going to keep going. I think that it's hard because. Um, as I read an article not long ago, because they were saying how that it's already been a struggle for artists because of the the, the movement towards a digital the digital platform and whatever, yeah. and hard to make a living already. And then this is like some people saw it as the nail in the coffin. But I I see the other side too. I see a lot of really um, you know really determined and. Um, you know, like heavyweight serious musicians that are just going to keep going no matter what and they're going to make they're going to like Tony for example my my drummer and co-host I talked to him after I hadn't to- talked to him for a couple months I finally reached out to him on the phone I'm like how's it going he's like I haven't been drinking I've been going to the rehearsal space there's no bands there it's great I practice all the time I've been writing I've been taking care of myself and I'm looking forward to playing again 
And then about three weeks ago, he texted me and said, hey, patios are open. Let's go. Let's hang out sometime. So you could feel like, and, and just like with, like I'm, well, a lot of things are starting to come back. It's just cautiously, right? Mm-hmm. So. Do you think musicians or artists in particular might be more flexible, more adaptable to something like this? It is, after all, a gig economy, so... Yeah, and, and you know what? Maybe it is, in some ways, it's been, it's good for us all, mm-hmm. right? Just, just just take a step back from whatever we were doing, get gain some perspective, and then try a new approach, right? And, and shift and, 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 be, and adapt. Right. Right? Boy Scouts. Yeah. What's their motto? Always be prepared, right? Yeah. Do you think anybody... And focusing in the in the music community mostly in art, artistic arts and entertainment, do you think anybody could actually have been prepared for something like this? You know, it's it's crazy. Like I I think about that. I think about that. There are there must have been some people that maybe not people like in the music scene or whatever, but people in the you know the science scene <laughs> that <laughs> might have like the Bill Gates and whatever of the world that that could foresee this right like they actually probably saw this coming but yeah like i was thinking about that and how how most of us didn't it completely blindsided us right artists are trying to or what they have been doing in the past really is before the pandemic hit is they're always trying to do the perfect take there might be a slight shift in that maybe do a little bit more off the floor maybe just maybe the first take was better than the 10th or the 15th maybe a more simpler yeah sure i mean i could see that like when i with these these covers um we we're not doing them live online but katie and i will do we'll do we'll do a couple of takes but we don't hammer it into the ground we try to have that live feel to it yeah because i think it comes through it's like we're not it's not about being perfect it's just about being real and being in there in the moment and and doing the best you know being, and, and there's a certain levity to it. Some of those songs are challenging. We've done a couple. There are a couple songs that we did. We took like a day to learn, and then and then we decided not to release them because <laughs> they were just can't remember which one or two anyway yeah. of of the dozen or so that we've done. But yeah, I think uh, I think in answer to your question though about studio stuff, like I think this would be a good time. Like hopefully people or musicians are all writing. And gearing up to record, if not already recording, I think that a lot of people are now getting more um, equipment and, and and recording themselves at home, and um, you know because they probably are feeling like expressing themselves. Right. Yeah. We're just going to slide right into our first musical break, a song called "Running Out of Love" by Mercy Flight from their most recent album, Humanizer. So much that we 
Welcome back to the Pandemic Interviews, Conversations in a Changing Time. The song you just heard was Running Out of Love by Mercy Flight from their latest album, Humanizer. You're listening to a conversation I had with singer-songwriter Steve York in July 2020. What do you think it's going to take to get people back out into the venues, into the clubs, to see live music? Well, um... I know some clubs are already, they're broadcasting live, so you've got people, musicians going into clubs and recording, like I've even had a call from the Piston asking me to go back and play. I know Paul Reddick, my friend, has been playing at the Sauce mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. broadcasting. I know people are playing on patios uh, now, like there was a, uh, and I heard like a couple weeks ago, a gig on the Senator roof, the roof of the Senator. Mm -hmm. I think being outdoors, um, distancing, I don't know. It's a tough one. Like, what we don't want to do is go get all crowded into clubs and then bring back the virus. Like, we're actually winning right now. Like, if you look compared to, I mean, the numbers are like what, like something like under 200 cases in all of Canada, and they're mostly in Quebec, right? Yeah. So now, if we can just be cautious and keep it, and and just and maybe keep the border closed. <laughs> yeah, the, the border closed is a big issue at the moment. <laughs> yeah. That's where the wall needs to be built, some people right. are saying. But then, you know, get out your chalk circles and then and let's play outdoors for a little while. Like, yep. I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic. Well put. Most musicians will do rely heavily on touring and selling their merch. Now, a lot of them are turning to charging for live streaming. Yeah. That's right. Do you think that is a viable option? Maybe mixing it with some cross promotions, etc. Do you? I mean, because the thing is, is that if you're, if somebody goes to see you in a venue, a group of four walks in, or a group of ten, they're all paying their ten dollars each to get in. Mm -hmm. If you're doing a live streaming and the musician's selling a ticket for ten dollars, but there could be ten or fifteen people in that living room watching the live stream, so that's. Ten dollars per person that really the musician isn't seeing. I mean, I think it's it's great that like like that artists can get you know subsidized like that in the meantime. But I I still think like what I was saying before is I think that there's it doesn't compare like watching something on the television or on the computer doesn't compare to the real experience, the live experience. And I think that people will know will understand that and feel that, and eventually, um, hopefully, when the virus subsides people will get back into the clubs again and, and the, the concerts and will come back. Because honestly, I, in the last six years, while I've also, when I've been about playing um, these more concerts live myself, mm -hmm. I've also been going to more concerts and seeing bands, like big bands that I love come touring through, like Tears for Fears. We went to see mm -hmm. uh, uh, the Sawada Gospel, a whole bunch of different, uh, we went to see, um, what was that other, Massive Attack great show uh concerts are amazing like they're transformative they're like they're amazing like incredible and i think that the tv or the computer i mean it's great that like i think the streaming thing is good because then maybe bands can continue to, to do their thing and maybe get a little bit of money but like i said i think that's just a temporary thing i think that the live the real live concerts need to come back I agree with you. I think it's the it's the feel, it's the the energy between the the band and the audience. They feed off each That's other. That's right. There's an energy. That's right. Some of the research I've been doing about the pandemic. One of the interesting things I found was that the sales of musical instruments online have skyrocketed. And as you know, as and, and I love this mention, and amps and recording equipment, but particularly music instruments. You know, you go to buy a flute online; it's not going to happen these days because everybody seems to be sold out. On the other side of that is, drummer friends have been, oh, the guitar is in the closet. Maybe I'll haul that out and learn a few chords. Or somebody learned how to play flute twenty years ago and it's been packed away at the bottom of the drawer, or whatever. So they're starting to pull out old instruments. They're starting to learn or relearn instruments, that, you know, secondary instruments. Do you think there might be a new renaissance in music about to happen? No, that's a good point. You know what? That's It's it's very possible. I, I There was a renaissance after the plague, right? Mm -hmm. You knew, Did you know about that already? Because I, I read that recently and I... 
and it, it it's because people are and people are in the quarantine they have to they they'll do what they need to do to express themselves that's really interesting that you mentioned that yeah, yeah. i i compare it to um I mean, we've had lots of renaissances over the course of hundreds of years after certain things, yeah. certain periods of history. And one of the one of the more recent ones that I remember is, um, you know, in the '60s. I mean, the whole '60s movement, and you know, combined with the Beatles coming over, and then you had the whole uh, Height Ashbury, you had Laurel Canyon, you had the protests, you had so. Uh, music radically changed. It wasn't fun '50s Little Richard rock and roll anymore. Mm-hmm. You had a whole change in the '60s and early '70s. Yeah, and, and there was then... also a response to the um, the political mm-hmm. um, some of the heavy stuff that mm-hmm. was going on politically back then. The Vietnam it, War, yeah. yeah, Crosby, Stills and Nash, the Joni Mitchell crisis, yeah, uh, um, all the yeah, and so so yeah, music is in some ways a response then to the uh to to uh to the world right and then being able to express yourself so and everybody it's good to have that and you know what you in some ways the 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 computer is cool the way that that like i go on youtube and i see all kinds of musicians doing stuff i learn stuff from when i go to do a cover i'll uh you know, a lot of times I'll just Google up the song and see see what some other people have like even some tutorial stuff. It's pretty interesting how there's like a like a dialogue between musicians online yeah. as well. Like so, yeah. Even though the live music scene is like amazing, whatever there is a there, it's interesting also that we've all taken a step back and we use the computer as a tool now to do other things musically, and that we're and more and more people are getting involved. So do you think there's there's going to be there there is more and will continue to be more collaboration among the various musicians, not necessarily within your own band, but with other musicians out there? Yes, that's a good point too. Like I've done, um, I'm the backup singer in Dan McLean Jr.'s band, and we did. He sent us a a song that we sang along with, and have done. You know, you can using. What did, I'm not sure what program we used, but yeah, musicians are collaborating like they're doing more remote recordings, so they don't necessarily because they weren't together. So they, mm-hmm. you've seen some of it too, yeah. probably online. Um, it was hard actually when we first did that. Yeah, how do you find it? How do you find collaborating online? Um, I pref- like again. I prefer like when I'm singing. I like to be in the room singing with <laughs> other people. Like it's 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 hard. Like you got your headphones. It's I've done a lot of studio recording in my time, so I'm I'm kind of used to that sort of being in in the ears and and singing along with something there. But on that particular one, like it's a three part harmony that we sing with Dan and Katie and I. I think we had to do it separately even in order for it to work. And oh, he wanted three different videos, and it was it was not as easy as when the three of us are together and just singing together in the room. Kind of riff off each other. Well, you just, tune you just, into. yeah, you feel it like yeah. you, you, you come together, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, what about, there's a lot of, this is obviously hurting the venue owners, right? And we've lost a number of venues oh, it's and terrible. I'm sure that we will end up losing more before this is all said and done. Do you think that there, there's a potential for more collaboration between the artists and the venue owners? I mean, it's, it's got, just got to the point with the venues where, I mean, they're passing the tip jar. And nobody can survive on that. Um, so it's. I'm just wondering if there's a, a potential there for the musicians and the venues to work together, to get people back out. That's a good point. I. I, I mean, because even before the pandemic, um, small independent venues were struggling, and now it's got to be even harder, right? Like it's. Uh, and I'm. I'm close friends. Like. My my friends that are that are the owners of Bisson are friends. Mm-hmm. I used to be in a band with them, and so I see it from both sides all the time. I see it from yeah. the band perspective, but I also see it from from the owner's perspective uh, through them. And I ran that indie night and booked all the bands. And um, a lot of times, I felt like I wanted to say, "Hey, there's like a two hundred dollar guarantee for your set," but I, I instead I had to say, "Hey, you're 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 playing for the jug." Yeah. And what we can offer you is that Long McQuaid has donated some equipment. The the Piston and Long McQuaid have donated the backline 
Right. So you've got that. And, and our host is going to run the jug for you. And if you can bring out some friends. And some, some crowds were really generous. Like, yeah. I mean, sometimes they'd make 350 Tyler Simmons got $350 in the jug. But I think that's maybe because some of the parents were out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in, in answer to your question about the collaborating between, I think that, yeah, they're on the same side. The The owners want the, the bands to succeed. They want the, because you're, they've got to work together but it's it's uh like a lot of times i think some of the more mature artists understand that that the 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 art the 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 bars are struggling as well it's not like they they're using the musicians and just to make a profit a lot of times they're just just getting by just Mm -hmm. like the musicians and so i mean what is it going to happen now i don't know i guess it'll it's just going to be a little bit harder for the for like we are going to lose some venues. I'm wondering if, like, I'm wondering if the supermarket's still going to be around for my open mic. I hope so. Do you know that place? Yeah, I do. I do. We've been running an open mic there for yeah. 13 years. Yeah, I've photographed quite a number of bands in the supermarket. And they they um, were struggling. Like the the restaurant was not doing as well, so they rented out their kitchen. Mm-hmm. I just thought of something. Yeah. The one thing that's becoming more popular are house concerts. So maybe it'll be more, you know, uh, if the live venues go down, maybe there'll be more like people playing in, you know, other places other than the venues. Do you think this might be now thinking in terms of the pandemic and everybody is on the 11th plane? It doesn't matter how famous you are. Yeah. Or if you just picked up the guitar yesterday, everybody's on a level playing field. Nobody can play. So it's now, for the first time, really, in my history, it's truly a level playing field. Okay. Okay? Yeah. So do you think that this might be a golden opportunity for local indie artists in the community to shine? Because we know that large concert venues aren't going to be opening anytime soon. Right. We're... I'm pretty sure, and I think a lot of people have agreed, that do I want to get caught in a crowd rubbing elbows with 20,000 other people for a $500 ticket with the potential of? Highly unlikely. At least in Canada, anyway. I see your point. You're talking <laughs> right? about, like, the grassroots movement. should. Yeah, be, so is, is this going to be more, for... you know, we've got eat local, grow local. Now is it listen local? Yeah. So if if the bands, again, start to get together, collaborate, maybe really make you know a real chance to shine yeah and also if the economy goes goes down like that's also a time where there's Mm -hmm. more drinking and people (laughs) it's true (laughs) people are true alcohol sales have gone through the roof drowning their sorrows yeah listening to music um yeah like i think that there's still like i see there are some live stream things where you can see that there's like um because there are people that are very connected and they are still have those connections, mm-hmm. and I think there's still some of those live stream events which I haven't really witnessed or whatever. I can see how that, but it's that's an interesting point that you said that it's a level playing field. Is we're all there's opportunities now for anyone to really put put something up and then have it and share it around the internet, right? Yep. And uh, and hopefully there will be yeah, like before the big concerts return, you might probably see like already like i i know a few musicians that are out there already just playing in parks yeah like they're just out strumming in the park and they're putting it up or playing on their balconies and Mm -hmm. and and people are just walking by and so that will be more and more of that and uh that's pretty cool yeah well we used to have i mean your yard yeah, my backyard. Yeah. But we also used to have, I mean, if you get, if they allow some of the venues, smaller clubs, like a Piston or like a Cherry Colas or like a Painted Lady, yeah. um, open, or even maybe the, the Horseshoe. Retractable roofs. Yeah. We all need retractable <laughs> roofs. Or even something like the Horseshoe. I mean, I can't see the Phoenix or, or the Opera House of Danforth opening anytime soon. But the smaller, more yeah. intimate clubs, very similar to the days of the coffee houses in Yorkville. Yeah. Right. So going back to the to the indie scene. Yeah. Um, and for local artists, I mean, that you think that that's an opportunity. Maybe we'll have and something like that. Yeah. For the and local it'll be, artists. It'll be too. interesting to see how it how it plays out, too, because 
some people will see it as irresponsible and yet other people will be like, you know, it's actually the best thing is just to get out and be part of and start building the scene again and start like really doing something more local. Yeah. And do, and, and supporting. Yeah. The artists. Conquering your fears again, yeah. getting out there and risking it and taking a bit of a risk to, to share the moments together. Right. Like it's, it's, a. Uh, you and I know, because we both love the music scene, it's like there's magic there. And uh, we're missing so that right now. Yeah, we're missing a lot of the magic, and that's a good point. Yeah, like I, I, I feel sorry for my... I remember when my son was five years old, I went out and bought a record, like a, a vinyl record player, because I didn't want him growing up on MP3s. I've also dragged him out to concerts, because I wanted him to see live music. Yeah. Because it's, it's an experience we should all be having. For our second musical interlude, and also off their album Humanizer, this next song suggests we break the chain.
Welcome back to the Pandemic Interviews, Conversations in a Changing Time. The song you just heard was Break the Chain by Mercy Flight. You're listening to a conversation I had with singer-songwriter Steve York in July 2020. Do you think the current circumstances has possibly made your audience member, per se, has it heightened their awareness of the contribution that the arts and music actually make? Maybe garnering a little bit more respect for the artists themselves? Yeah, maybe. That's a, it's a tough one. I'm, I was thinking like some of these questions, I wish I, I could reflect a little bit and like that's, think that's, more about them and, and offer They're just a, developing a, as this goes. Right? <laughs> Everybody's just going to send me a list. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe be because you're saying that people are going out and they're getting instruments. Maybe people are going to start understanding how, how difficult it really is mm-hmm. to, to learn an instrument. It's like yeah. just the same way learning a language. Like they may think it's easy, but it's actually like a lot of the great musicians have spent their whole lives playing, you know, and expressing themselves with, with, through those instruments. And so maybe the more that people pick up instruments and start to learn themselves, the more respect they'll have for the, the great players mm-hmm. in the world that are, that are still there. Like we're not seeing them right now, but they're, like I said, Tony's out practicing. He's getting ready for when it comes back. I think a lot of the serious musicians are, they're not just giving up. I mean, they're getting ready for when it, when it comes back and when they're needed again. So now we're planning. Well, you know, that's the <laughs> and thing. preparing, it, really. Exactly. It's more like, of a preparation than a plan. I've been thinking about it. Like the first couple of months, I sat I was like I said I I was fully quarantined and I was like, whoa. And then the third month I felt like it's gonna come back. You start feeling it. The energy's coming back. And then this last month I've been thinking like I've been practicing a bit more and singing a bit more and writing a bit more and I think that it is gonna everybody's gonna start doing that and then there'll be that ground swell that grassroots movement you've talked about and and it'll just start bubbling up again and next thing you know people will be in rooms together enjoying the moments playing and, and appreciating music let's hope so what have you learned from all of this you mean from the from the pandemic pandemic and this whole isolation thing and well you know i've seen this going around a little bit but it's like you you definitely you you appreciate what you have like i i think you you take you i re, I've, I've i've the older i get the less i take things for granted like the more i appre- i i i have a, i try to treat my life with um with the respect like it's like it's just, it's a it's a time where we so I mean I guess what have I learned from the pandemic is how much I love my life and all the 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 simple things that I that I it it all gets reduced down to the simple things mm-hmm. that count and um, music's one of them yeah. right like the first thing that 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 Katie did when in the pan when when we quarantined is she organized my vinyl collection into alphabetical order. <laughs> she figured we're probably going to be listening to more like records. Like a woman does. Which we have been, right? <laughs> yeah, and, I have mine. And then we went out, like without super hoarding, we went out and we just started thinking about what we can put in the pantry so we don't have to go grocery shopping <laughs> too much. And we started cooking a lot, right? And spending time together. And then next thing you know, we're singing songs together again. And, and then we're sharing them online. And our last video we did, um, we did uh, "Lovers in a Dangerous Time" by Bruce Coburn. It got it has over four thousand views on that on that little cover song. Very nice. Like we did three takes, but it was like people just they're just loving it. But that song is also very reflective of the times too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And And there's a lot of people, couples that have unfortunately been separated in different countries because of it, caught up and you know. Like I it's, have, you know, it's, it's very reflective of this time. Yeah, actually. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And some people have been hit a lot harder than me in terms of the pandemic. Like, for example, Branco was out seven days a week DJing or running um, shows. He was uh, Airbnb in his second bedroom. And um, all that went down, yeah. like all at once. 
two positives to come out of this for you. One personally yeah. and one professionally. Well, I feel like I'm kind of repeating myself. But the personally, like I just more quality time at right. home. Right. And professionally, I just the perspective of, of, you know, how I balance a day job and the music. And I feel like the, the pandemic is a little bit like going on a trip. You, you gain perspective, right? You look at the, the things in your life and you, you use that perspective to rectify the balance that you have between your professional and your personal life, right? And like whenever I've, I've gone, say, a trip to Montreal and I'm driving back from Montreal and I, somewhere along the way I start thinking about my life on my way back, I think about this and then I, I have that perspective, you know, and that's what I feel like the pandemic has done for me. Like it's allowed me that extra time and space to, mm -hmm. to kind of, you know, I feel like I'm outside of my life looking in. And that's good. And I'm ready for now for the next phase, the next chapter, right? Everybody has a favorite artist. Okay. It doesn't matter if Elton John likes Freddie Mercury or if Bono likes whomever he likes, whatever. Everybody's got a favorite artist. Yeah. If if you were to open for somebody or perform with them, which artist would that be? Okay, good question. Probably Psychedelic Furs. Okay. Yep. I saw them play at the Piston. I saw yeah. two of my favorite bands from the 80s. I saw Tears for Fears play recently, and I saw Psychedelic Furs. And they were just so great. Like, I loved them in the 80s. And they're still playing. Yeah. Yeah. And Tears for Fears. I love Tears for Fears, yeah. too. Both a couple of my favorites. Psychedelic Fruit. That's an interesting one. Every, every, that 20 different responses. So that's really good. It is, it's interesting to find out who somebody would really want to. Well, I'm going to drive away and go, oh, I should have done something more current. I'm sure that I could no. have come up with something more no, like. A lot of people have done, who do you want to open for? Oh, Genesis or Pink Floyd or. That's going back 40, 50 years. I have another one, too, okay. that I really love. I really love um, the Shins and the Broken Bells, like James Mercer. Okay. I'm a huge uh, Shins fan. And have now got, uh, gone, like, they, they kind of morphed into the Broken Bells. And that's a more current... Uh, has anyone mentioned the Broken Bells yet? No, and I've never heard of them, actually. You haven't heard of the Broken Bells? Mm-mm. I love them. Well, Bunch you know, it's, it's soul food I love it. is what it is. Right. Like the music, it's like it, keeping up with like what you're doing, like and, and, and being in like, see, one of the nice things about I think we we're talking about social media and the newsfeed, mm -hmm. like I have a lot of really cool people on my newsfeed with a lot of really good, positive perspectives. And, uh, and I think that comes from the music scene because there are musicians, a lot of them, and they, uh, you know, there, I don't know, I mean, there m must be other communities that are positive and uplifting as well, but I just feel like I'm lucky because I, I have this, like, large community of musicians. I'm you too. You've just listened to a conversation I had with singer-songwriter Steve York in July 2020. It was great to reconnect with Steve, and I enjoyed the opportunity to chat about things both on and off mic. Many thanks to Eddie and Quincy Bullen and Paul DeLong for writing and performing the theme music for the show. And to those of you who tuned in, thank you for taking the time to listen, inviting us into your cars, offices, and homes. If you'd like to continue listening to what these musicians have to say, follow me on Podbean or any one of the platforms you're using, and you'll be notified automatically when the next conversation is published. I am Pat Blythe, and you're listening to Love the Music. Have a great day and a wonderful evening.